Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. So great to spend another morning worshiping with all of you. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the Director of Communications here at San Diego First Church, and uh, just so excited to spend another morning with you all. Uh, before we get started with our worship this morning, just have a few updates and things to let you know about what's going on in the life of our community. But first, as always, if you look on either the bottom of the front page of your bulletin or on the slide up here, there's a little QR code. Uh, you can use your smartphone camera, hold it over that, and uh, a little link will pop up to go to our online uh, connection card form. It's a really short form to fill out with your name or your contact info, any prayer requests or things you want to let us know over in the church office. So particularly if you're newer to our church, but whether you're new or you've been coming here a long time, if you'll just fill out that quick form for us, it's great to let us know that you're here and it's just the easiest way to communicate uh, anything that you have to tell us with the church office. And uh, we look over those every week in our staff meeting. So uh, go ahead and fill out that form if you get the chance before you head out from church today. Uh, a few things coming up soon. This Friday night is our summer night of music, so Austin's taking the lead on planning this. Uh, this will be a great night, spending it outdoors with you all in the Friendship Plaza. We're going to have live music from some friends of SDFC, including our very own Justin Jocelyn here. Uh, yeah, give it up for Justin. It's just so great to have you here leading worship with us this morning. Uh, we we'll also have like a snack bar, some lawn games out there. So bring your picnic blankets or your, or your lawn chairs, bring your family, invite your friends, and we'll just spend some time outdoors enjoying some music together. It'll be a good time. So hope you'll plan to come and stop by between 6.30 and 8 this Friday. Uh, and it's completely free to attend, so you can just show up. Uh, the following morning, we have this month's men's ministry breakfast over in the Ellipse Chapel. So these are events being organized by uh, Dave James. Uh, if you want to come to that, we do ask that you RSVP. It's completely free to attend as well, but it just helps us know how many folks to plan for since we're going to feed you all at a breakfast. Imagine that. So uh, it, these are just great times to pray together, uh, get to know one another, and just fellowship and have a community over a shared meal. So uh, plan to join us for that if you're interested from 8 to 9.30 this Saturday over in the Ellipse. And the last thing I want to let y'all know about is uh, last Sunday we sent off uh, so many of our teens and our youth pastor Lexi out to Nazarene Youth Conference taking place in Tampa, and they're flying back home today. So they've had a full week of hanging out with one another, attending the wonderful uh, worship services, hanging out, meeting other teens from across the country, and yes, going to Bush Gardens in Florida to ride some roller coasters uh, that can't get built out here, which is very cool. Um, so... This is a picture of some of our teens, some of the folks from our church and from our area that attended NYC. And just keep them in your prayers as uh, they fly home, return home today, and uh, get to share a little bit about all that they experience with their families and their friends as they return home. So appreciate you keeping them in your prayers today. All right, this is the point in our service where we get the chance to stand, greet one another, and pass the peace of Christ. So please go and do so.
good morning to you. As you make your way back to your seat, I want to invite Carl Martin up to read our call to worship passage for today. And you can stay standing as you make your way back to your seat. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 63, a psalm of David. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's so good to be together this morning and uh, to sing together. And um, I just pray that these songs are great reminders of God's love over us today. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings.
as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, when the prince, life our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Let's sing that together again. Well, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving this as a flood, when the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. And who is love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout hell. Grace and love like mighty rivers. 
No love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no morning. And at this time, uh, we want to read this prayer together over our kids before they go to um, Kids Church. And uh, like Tyler mentioned, the teens are still at camp. So uh, we'll pray this over them too as they travel home. Um, But would you join me? The words uh, to this passage and prayer are on the screen. This is my prayer for you, our children that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. All right, enjoy. And at this time, I'd also like to invite up Connie Campbell to read our passage for this morning out of Psalms. As our scripture reading is Psalms 45. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her, those brought to be with her. Led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take their place of your fathers, You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Dee, and it is, as always, great to be with you. I just want to make a note of clarification in case you might get confused this coming Friday night as you drive into Point Loma and see some cars, I think, heading to the athletic fields um, for the Point Loma Nights of Music. That's a completely different thing. You want to come to this place Friday evening for our night of music here uh, on Friday night, a wonderful alternative. 
Um, I want to make mention of a couple things, if I could. The first is um, so grateful for your prayers um, for the people of our church. Uh, this morning it was so wonderful to see Irene Champagne in church and uh, what an answer to prayer that is coming through surgery as she has done. Uh, but also we have another one who's in the midst of recovery and that's Janita Luce and I hope that you might um, continue in prayer for her. She had very significant um, spinal surgery um, about a week ago, week and a half ago and the recovery is going to be a bit of time. So continue uh, to pray for them if you would. And thanks for your prayers and encouragements this week. Um, I am grateful for all that have come my way. And just in regard to some of those details, there are no new details. Nothing has happened, nothing has changed. I still just wait. And so um, covet your continued prayers in that regard. The scripture reading, Connie, thank you for reading that. The scripture reading, is um, important that we place it in context. And the context that I am placing it in, I acknowledge right up front, is a context both of its original setting and yet bringing it into a place where I hope it might feel like it connects with today. Psalm 45. Psalm 45 is a wedding song. I think it's the only wedding song in the entire book of Psalms. And so it has a very unique place. This seems to be, at least from my perspective, wedding season. Um, I think I have either gone to or led and participated in six weddings in the last eight weeks, three in one week. That was a little intense. One, uh, two nights ago. And it often begins, at least for me, with typically a phone call or a visit to my office, sometimes but rarely an email, saying, I'm getting married. And then the follow-up question, would you consider helping to officiate the wedding? Always an incredible honor to hear those words and to be asked to participate in such a precious and important moment in the lives of people. I then follow up by saying, typically, yes, the date is open, I'd be honored to, but I do want you to know that I require that we meet three times for about an hour and 15 minutes each time at the end of those three sessions. If it feels like we need to meet longer, I'll leave that decision up to you, but there are a lot of things that I would like to go over and um, things that I think would be helpful as we consider your future. Um, no one has turned me down on that. Um, sometimes it's difficult to work out the timing, but we meet. I have them take a survey. We have conversations. I learn a little bit more about the wonderful story on how they first came to meet, what the proposal was like, how that came to pass. Um, we talk about their family of origin. 
because it'd be foolish to enter into a marriage without talking about both individuals, family of origin. It's hard to imagine that you won't see the family of origin issues coming through into the marriage, for I've done enough counseling after marriages have taken place to know how important those things are. We talk a little bit about conflict resolution and communication. I present scenarios and allow them to discuss, and I try not to make it too frightening in terms of conflict, but it's usually not difficult to create moments where they have to wrestle through the difficult communication of trying to work through situations that they may not see eye to eye. And always on the survey that they take, I have ready made 20 of the questions they answered where they don't see eye to eye. And if they need material for me to supply them, I will just turn over the answers that they gave to particular questions and said, okay, let's just read this. And then they look at each other. They go, this would be a good moment for us to start using some of the tools we've been talking about in terms of working through this. We talk about... Um, what they would like their household to look like. We talk about spiritual beliefs. The survey has some interesting components to it. One is a uh, stress gauge. And the closer you are to the wedding, um, usually the stress gauge goes up for at least one person that's sitting in front of me. And all of a sudden, we can explain a lot of the behavior over the last month and a half because of that high level of stress. There's a part in the survey that has to do with idealistic distortion. If you are not into testing instruments, what that means is how much you distort your um, answers to questions for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons might be that you want the person who gives the test to be happy with your answers. And so you give falsely higher answers so they'll be pleased with that. Sometimes it might be that you don't want to betray your misgivings or your uncertainties. I have found in the many, many years that I've done this particular survey that those who are young and in their first marriage often have very high idealistic distortion scores. They're looking through rose-colored glasses. They are thinking this will be the answer to all their problems. They are looking forward to post-wedding when life just is so much simpler. And part of my job is to help them become a little more realistic so they won't be stunned in the weeks that follow the marriage. If I am working with older couples who maybe this is their second or third marriage, the idealistic distortion is usually incredibly low, so, so low that I feel like I need to at least encourage them that there's hope. <laughs> that sometimes takes a full session, but we eventually get there. At the close of all of these sessions, particularly if I'm going to be involved in the wedding, we talk about the wedding itself. What are your colors? Flowers? Where's it going to be? Who's going to be invited? 
Who's in the wedding party? How are they related to you? What's the connection? What are the things that you're hoping people will take away from your wedding? I have one <laughs> marked in my memory probably forever where I ask that question. After it's all over, people are going home. What are you hoping they remember about your wedding ceremony? And without hesitation, the groom-to-be says, as they're driving home, I want them to say to each other, boy, that was short. <laughs> Got the message, great. <laughs> what a lofty goal. When we come to, all, to the end of all of that, we talk through the components and um, some of the things that will help me in the process of guiding them through the wedding and all of the details associated with the wedding. I give you all of that background because I'm inviting you in to the process of trying to build the context for this particular psalm. I've dressed for the wedding. And so, as is typical, we have those who are friends of the groom seated over here, those who are friends of the bride seated over here, those who just came for the food at the reception seated here. <laughs> I have walked up to the front and I'm standing here with the groom who didn't think he was going to be nervous, but now doesn't know whether he should put hands in the front, at the side, in the back. Do I turn this way? Do I look to the back? Am I supposed to face you? Everything's fine. Just stand right where you're at. This will work just okay. Keep your eye on the people who are coming from the back. Sometimes the groomsmen have already come in by themselves, and the bride's Party, bridal party will come up the aisle. Sometimes they come up arm in arm. In this particular setting, we have the wedding of the king and the princess. This is the language that's used in Psalm 45. The language that centers around this person that is known as the king and the bride who is a princess, who's about to be seen by all. And in this setting, a room adorned, I'm sure, with flowers and various icons and pieces of history of this culture's present and past. And into this moment, there is an invitation for the director of music to come forward, the poet. The poet who either sings the song or recites the words in anticipation of this powerful moment. And I give you certainly a paraphrase, but one that might fit both then and now of Psalm 45. 
the tune The Lilies begins to play by the musicians who are nearby. And the opening three line stanza by the director of music acknowledging the importance of this moment. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. May the words of my tongue flow forth like a mountain stream. And then the director of music looks toward the groom, the king. You are the most excellent of all our men. Your lips speak grace, in them no sin. You walk in God's blessing both without and within. Your sword by your side, splendor and majesty. You the humble champion of righteousness and integrity. All your actions always on behalf of all humanity. May the enemies of truth be pierced to the heart. May they trip on their folly. May their plans fall apart. May justice for all be what God's scepter imparts. Loving what's right. Hating what's wrong. Bathed in God's joy and filled with God's song. Your heavenly fragrance forever and ever lingers on. Then the music changes. There's a shift in tempo. And the director of music says, from the palace, the music brings a smile to your face, for the bride has arrived adorned with gold and with grace. O oh, bride, you are here. This now is your place. Enthralled by your beauty, breathless at your sight, my all I now give, I lay down every fight. My burdens are lifted, every weight appears light. Your, your gown embroidered, interwoven with gold, your companions, they join you, all the stories they've told. All the kingdom is smitten, both the young and the old, for there's a dance of joy and gladness in the air. The princess is here, and all doubt is laid bare, for the future is now, and God's heaven draws near. And the bridal party makes their way to the front. And in the back, the princess appears. The director of music sits off to the side, stands up once again, and leads the introit as she comes in. Half the congregation is looking at her, but there are a few who have turned to look at the king and see the smile on his face as she comes to the front. And there they meet, the king and the princess face one another, and in that moment, we bring these words. We are gathered together here in the sight of God, and in the presence of these witnesses, to join together these two in holy matrimony, which is an honorable estate, instituted by God, 
signifying unto us the mystical union between Christ and his church, between God and God's people, between creator and creation. This is a shadow, a taste of those greater truths. May we step into all that God has for us in these moments. And so we come reverently, discreetly, in the fear of God, and step into this holy place. We become witnesses, witnesses to what's taking place here, and witnesses for one another, witnesses of your story and mine, witnesses of their story and how it's like ours, witnesses of God's story and how it intertwines with each one of us and draws us into something greater than we ever thought possible. You've been invited. Invited because you're part of this story. You're invited guests because you're part of what brings the king and the princess together, but also invited because the prince of all princes has invited you here. This is their story. This is also your story. So let me offer a prayer on our behalf. Oh God in heaven, we've brought together your family, our family and friends. We ask that you join us and bless us with your presence. We never want this ceremony to simply be a production. We need your blessing for it to be so much more. But with you at the center of both this ceremony, this relationship, and our relationships, it becomes a covenant, a representation of your love, a window through which others might see and experience your grace. Amen. Well, for the two who have gathered here and to those who listen in, I offer this charge. I require and charge you both as you stand in God's presence to remember that this commitment is a commitment to permanence, both in depth and breadth. This covenant is to share your whole life with one another. So, King, will you have this princess to be your wife to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of marriage? Will you love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? Keep yourself only unto her as long as you both shall live. And princess, will you have this king to be your wedded husband, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of marriage? Will you love, honor, and keep him in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? Keep yourself only unto him so long as you both shall live. Let me take a few moments and reflect on the sacred scriptures that bring us to this moment. There's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 15, that speaks about dwelling in the tent of God. 
it is an important piece because it reminds us that the people of God go to where God is to find God's dwelling place and to make their dwelling place there. They went to the mountain where Moses met God, encamped at the body of the mountain, the base of the mountain. And then as they traveled through the desert on their way to the promised land, God's spirit would hover over the tent of meeting, guide them, settle them, hold them, keep them steady. They went to the tent where God was. This comes to amazing fulfillment in John chapter 14, where Jesus says to the disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments, and we'll come and we'll make our dwelling place, our tent, our mansion with you. We'll abide with you and live in you. This is the great truth that fulfills that which was spoken in the Old Testament. It is to share the dwelling place with our Creator, to seal the covenant of Creator and creation, of Christ and the church, of God and God's children. It is an invitation to a covenant relationship, one with the other. And then this becomes not only a dwelling place, for God and us, but becomes a resting place where others might catch a glimpse of that goodness and grace and wholeness and fullness. A window into the eternal divine, a door into the precious presence of God. When our relationships carry the covenant of what Christ has done for us. Often, I'm reminded in these moments of that powerful psalm of love. Pardon me, the passage of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the depiction of love there reminds me, as a member of this congregation, I don't see him here this morning, but Blake Nelson once told me of a journalist who is on assignment often to war-torn countries. And when he would visit those places where war was taking place, he talked about how difficult it was for him to get a night's sleep. But then in those moments, in those times where he had an opportunity to stay in the home of a couple in love, he testified that he slept like a baby. Oh, that our homes would be that kind of place where people feel safe, where people sense love, where people know the power of God at work. And so my admonition to the king and to the princess and to any of you who might listen in from the wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians, the passage that speaks about love you might be eloquent, as eloquent as can be. You might be able to win every argument and come on top in every debate. You might be persuasive in all that you say, but without love, you're really just clanging the pots and pans in the kitchen 
It makes a lot of noise, but nobody's listening. You might have the gift of wisdom and insight. You might even be able to tell some things about the future. But if you don't have love, it doesn't do anything at all for this relationship. You might have faith, spiritual insight, have great religious jargon, know how to say the right thing and quote the right thing. But if you don't have love, it doesn't make you any more like the characteristics of the kingdom of God. But love? Oh, it's in this moment where I want to use the quote from the Princess Bride. Love, true love. <laughs> love. Well, let me tell you what this says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no account of wrongs. Might be wise to repeat that one in case you didn't hear it. Keeps no account of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the space into which you are invited. The space of covenant love. And you, king and princess, you've chosen to write your own vows. That always makes me nervous, but I'm glad that you gave me a copy ahead of time. So this is your card, princess, if you would. These are the vows of the princess. My king praises that you and I made it here today. Through all the crazy trials you and I have been together, you have been resilient and supportive. You are so amazing. Sometimes I feel my life is a dream because of how perfect you are for me. Since you and I started our relationship, I have prayed many times and asked help to know what is best. And here we are today. I'm so incredibly grateful that I am chosen to be yours. Thank you for choosing me to be in this with you together. So here come my promises. I promise to show you and tell you I love you, even when I am sometimes mad at you. I promise to trust you in all circumstances, including when I don't see you. I will always believe and trust in your support and in your encouragement to achieve our dreams together. I promise to serve, respect, and be faithful and loyal to you. And I will do this to the best of my ability for now and for all that is to come. King, you've written some vows as well. I hope I can find them. And this is what the king wrote. O oh, princess, 
you are my one true love. We have had our challenges and our moments of triumph, but I never, ever, ever stopped being dedicated to you. Thank you for loving me. You are my dream come true. I can't wait to see what shape our future will take because no matter what happens, I will be by your side. I give you my hand and my heart. Greater love hath no one than that he or she would lay down their life for another, and that is exactly what I do for you. I will honor you, laugh with you, and cry with you. I promise to support you and cherish you as this love grows every day. I vow to give you grace and kindness, to walk by your side. I vow to stand with you as your faithful partner in times of joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, through now, through death, and beyond. For you are mine, and I am yours. The two of you have decided to make pledges to one another as a token of this commitment and covenant. So, King, repeat after me the words that are yours. I give you my spirit. It is the essence of my love and devotion. I will go where you go and stay where you stay. And princess, repeat these words that are actually just yours. I give you my heart and thereby my love and devotion. With God's grace and God's help, I will go where you go and I will stay where you stay. Let me offer a prayer over this hallowed moment. Father, thank you for these two. Thank you for all who come together in this moment. Thank you for all who have chosen to take up a covenant that is nothing more than a response to the covenant you have already made. So give us courage to make right choices, grace to forgive, Give us laughter and joy in our journey. Make our home and our relationships windows into heaven itself. May your kingdom come through the commitments we make and the way in which we live. May your will be done in our homes just as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily nourishment, the nourishment of communication and peace. Help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Keep us away from those things that tempt us, away from our vows. Allow us always to honor you and give you glory forever. Amen. The bride and groom have invited us to the wedding supper of the Lamb to the table of grace, to the place where we receive the commitment that's been made to us, where we say, oh, yes, God, yes. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. 
I'm overwhelmed by what you offer, and with your help, I desire to respond in like manner. That I might forgive as you've forgiven, that I might love as you've loved, that I might serve as you've served. But I need your help in doing that. We practice an open communion here, which simply means that all are invited to the table. Any who would like to participate in the receiving of such grace, the desire to be part of a relationship where love is at the core, where commitment, as hard as it might be, is deep and profound, and is in recognition that I can never keep that commitment on my own, but it's because of what Christ has done for me and for you. So I invite the musicians, the servers to come forward. We'll distribute the elements um, by standing up here in the front and ask that you can come forward. And if you can't, our servers will come to you. So at the end, I will ask if there's any who haven't been served that would like to be, just raise your hand and they will come to where you are. I ask that you hold the elements so that we might all partake together in this celebration. If for any reason you prefer not to participate, that's okay. You don't need to come forward. Or you can walk forward and not take the elements. That's fine as well. During this time, I hope you might reflect on this amazing offering of a wedding song for all of us in these moments. love for us how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure and how great the pain of searing the Father turns His face away As wounds which mother the Chosen One Bring all of us to glory How deep is Your love How deep is Your love, God How deep is Your love How deep is God, how deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? Behold the man upon the sin upon his shoulders 
ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers and it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me That it is finished. How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? The invitation to the wedding, the invitation to the feast, the invitation to the table, the table where all are welcome, the table that exemplifies the covenant of all covenants, the grace of God poured out for us, the gift of life given to you, the sacrifice on your behalf that you that we might be the community of God and a representation of the divine of heaven here on earth. Jesus, when he was with the disciples, on the night he was betrayed, shortly before the betrayal, feasting together, he took the bread. He broke it, gave it to each one of them. He said, this is my body, it's broken for you. We do this in remembrance of our Lord. In a similar fashion, he took the cup. He gave it to each one of them. This is my blood poured out for you, it is the blood of the new covenant. What a gift. What an invitation to the disciples and to all who would follow. We take in remembrance of our Lord. The King has come. We've been invited. For some reason, the guest list included us. There seems to be no boundaries. No Jew, nor Gentile, nor Greek, nor Scythian, slave, nor free. 
no male nor female, it is an open invitation. It's for all to join in because that's what grace does. And that is love, what you have done for us. So Lord, may this taste linger on our lips. May it trigger a memory inside of us that holds true to the story of your journey, your covenant, and your promise to us. How could we not respond? But, oh Lord, we need your help. May you provide us with the nourishment, the courage, the strength. Will you provide us with your spirit that we might become your tent, your dwelling place? every day of our life. We thank you, Lord. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing this chorus with us. It just simply says, how deep is your love, God? And this morning, that might be a question for you. The phrase might have a question mark at the end, and that's okay, because... His love can fill to the depths of your soul. And you can ask him for that today. The phrase might also have an exclamation point at the end. And if you can proclaim that today, then we ask for you to proclaim how deep the love of God is. How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? How deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? And I will not boast in any. No power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection, and why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an this I know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom how deep is your love how deep is your love God how deep is your love how deep is your love God how deep is your love how deep is your love, God? How deep is your love? How deep is your love? How deep is your love?
For as much as these have consented together and have witnessed the same before God and all of these who have gathered, I declare that they are one. May God bless you and keep you and make God's face shine upon you. May the Lord look upon you with mercy and favor and fill you with all benediction and grace. May the life exemplified in God's eternal kingdom exist here on earth as we live this life together. And so, you may kiss one another <laughs> and go in God's peace. Have a blessed day.